Welcome to the Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. Okay, so here we go. It's the Razor Show. This is Matt Chatham. I'm taping after the Patriots-Bills game. So, you know, obviously, folks, when I come to you on a podcast as I or a column or any of the other many, many things that I do in sort of media circles, uh, it's typically exceptionally well-researched. I pride myself on that. I like to go back and watch every play of the game, uh, both in the TV copy and usually, provided the timing of the, of the taping, and also the, the, the coach's copy as well. You hold all 22. Uh, but that is obviously not an option on an instant reaction kind of night podcast. But uh, the Athletics asked me to do this, and I, I kind of dig the idea, quite frankly, because no, I'm not going to be able to give you an entire sort of game review. But what I can do, and I think it's still pretty valuable, is run through some major, major plays, look at the big picture of the game. We can talk problem areas. We can't talk necessarily big diagnosis of major overriding problems until till we see the details. But what I do like here is I was able to, before I hopped on the air, to run back and watch, basically rewatch the fourth quarter. Uh, I had enough time to, to quickly get through that on the fast forward from the broadcast copy to kind of talk through a little bit of what went on tonight and it or this afternoon excuse me it was it was a crazy game this is your this is one of your outlier games this is where that phrase comes up comes from this is an offense that always scores in the high 20s 30s even when the last four of these teams these teams have played the last four times these teams have played uh, was a 30 a mid high 30 number one time and then the other three were over 25ish you know sort of you know bringing the Patriots down that happens a little bit you get some tough and uglies in the the division typically, uh, but this was goofy. The, uh, no New England offense. I looked this stat up. I was kind of searching on this before I went on the air, and I, I sent the tweet out about it before I hopped on here. But uh, the last time the New England offense itself had had scored less than ten points. Now obviously they get sixteen, but that's the pump block, uh, and then uh, Matthew Slater jumping on it in the end zone. Uh, that the last time the offense itself has put less than ten on the board uh, was actually that Jacoby Brissett game when J- Garoppolo gets banged up. A, I think it was Houston game the week before, and Jacoby came in, helped finish that one out, uh, but then Jacoby in the start, young guy, dude, just learning the league. Obviously, we've seen he's become a really nice player over in Indy now, but at that time, just wasn't quite ready for it, and uh, they lost 16 nothing. The offense just didn't exist. It was just sort of a, whew, that's over, and then Brady came back the next week, and then that was... Uh, his return from suspension uh, and the whole stupid deflate gate thing, and he came out and you know blew the doors off in the Cleveland game. They're on the road to start back, but that just shows you how unusual this was. I mean, even in some of the ugly games a year ago, uh, you know they're they're grinding it out. They're getting field goals, but they're never south of ten. South of ten with this with this offense is just it's just kooky. You don't see it. So um, for this particular game, I wanted to really hit on the big big stuff like the. The, the the what the hell did we just see kind of situation? Because I think that the game really had that kind of feel. Um, well, you know, first and foremost, I'm not going to just be the bitch and moan side here. I'm, I'm pointing out how bizarre the offense was uh, relative to normal sort of historical performances. But we got to start with the, the biggest real football story of this thing, and that's the performance of the defense. Given up 10, considering the amount of time they were on the field, uh, oddly enough, the, the Patriots actually lost here. They win the game. But they lose the time of possession by five minutes. So defense were on, was on the field for a lot of plays, uh, an unusually high number of plays. Um, and I think in part it was, 
you know, some back-to-back stuff where it's not just, a, you know, you, you tick and t- go tick for tack with the other side. That's pretty normal. Uh, but the three and outs uh, by the Patriots offense, the three and outs backed up. So the pressure that was on the defense throughout the second half was incredibly high. You know, you get a you get a backed-up series, usually a good Patriots offense. They may not get a score from back on their own 10. But, you know, you either get a first down or two or three to get out from sort of the shadow of the goal line. So you can, you know, punt out of there and just, you know, flip the field a little bit to give yourself some breathing room. But there were a number of circumstances here in that second half where there was no breathing room, there was a mistake, and then it just continued on a little longer. So that was a huffing and puffing kind of deal. Uh, You don't obviously typically see that from Patriots teams. But we, you know, I, I, and I, 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 I don't like the idea that this is going to get thrown in as, you know, New England's defense finally having a slight letdown and, you know, they give up their first score in these four games. I think the 10 that they're letting up here isn't much less impressive than, you know, the threes and others that were on the board from earlier games. This was a dogfight, and because of what was not going on on the other side, the other the, the offense they were going against had a lot more opportunity. Quite frankly, I thought Matt Barkley, when he came in, looked better than Josh Allen. Um, you know, it, it was let's put it this way: it was a coin toss. It's not the loss of that particular player really lost the game for the Bills or anything like that. I think they offensively were pretty inept. Uh, but again, give the credit to the defense. The Patriots defense balled out as they typically do. I think in saying that, and I sort of teed this up because it's obviously the Razor show. This is a Patriot show. It was uh, uh, an unusually poor uh, game by the offense. You got to give the defense of the Bills a lot of credit. And I probably didn't give them enough credit going in the game. You know, I watched those games back and I kind of sensed it wasn't great offense across from them. I figured they'd be good, much as they were a year ago. Uh, but considering the personnel was virtually identical, other than Ed Oliver add in. I thought we'd find something comparable. Someone, a team that would give them a tough go, but would have a hard time getting to 30 like the Patriots often, offense often, often does. But, you know, I, was, I think the score I picked on Patriots this week, uh, the, so, the show was with Bob Soshi and, and Scott Zolak and myself. I think I went 27-10. So, you know, I was right on the score for the other team. But uh, the idea of the Pats getting stuck on 16 and one of those being a pump block score is just it's just loopy. You don't expect that. You expect them to win on at least three drives and uh, pay you know, piece some things together beyond that, but that didn't happen. So looking at the, now, this is the stuff that's just going to go, well, you'll never see that again. <laughs> there were 23 first downs on the day for the bills and only 11 for the Patriots. So this was def. I mean, they more than doubled the Patriots in first downs. Like you just don't see that. That's crazy. Um, I think one of the other things here that came up that unfortunately was a real, real problem was untimely penalties and untimely mistakes and untimely execution errors. So, um, like the situational football stuff that we always talk about, uh, the two minute drive before the half went nowhere, you know, down at the end of the game when they really needed the four minute drive, they, they didn't have it. Um, they did have the huge time suck drive, which was, I believe that was the third quarter drive that ended in the major, you know, critical error. Obviously Brady throws the interception in the end zone. Now on rewatch, I think the in- inclination, I mean, this, was that in the halftime? Was that a half? I don't, I don't recall what it was, but anyway, I, that was the drive that, uh, you know, where it kind of seemed like, no, no, they've come back after half or whenever it was, and they look they look much better, re-energized. This thing is actually moving now. And uh, I my first thought was that, you know, seeing it live, oh, Brady, maybe could he have run that in? Because, you know, he kind of threw to the, the Ratton guy that wasn't really on the cover that dove between the pass and where he was trying to go for it. 
pulls that away, and I'm thinking, well, it was you know, he it was sort of a, a an and go or an and goal kind of situation. Could he have pulled it down? But I think on on rewatch, one of those pursuit guys from the inside would would have had the angle to cut him off, and then he takes a hit. And you don't want that Brady, so. You know, maybe, you know, you just got to protect it at that point better than he did. So, you know, obviously not a good great day for Tom. Um, you know, you just usually expect so much more from him. And yeah, one thing I will say and, and rewatch at least of just the fourth quarter drives, I, I think the biggest contrast here, and this is where stat sheets can sometimes steer you wrong. Obviously, the yards here are nothing like we normally see. Let's go to that here for total yards. Total yards of the day, 224 yards of offense for the Patriots. I mean, just unbelievably low just overall production they just could not get going they had a couple nice drives and that was it and one of them ended interception one of them did not that's about it so it was one of those days uh, oddly enough Um, but what I thought ended up being a big time separator in this game and it does show you the competency level of the quarterback no uh, Tom Brady did not have a great statistical game didn't have a great non-statistical game but he ends up 18 for 39 150 yards no, <laughs> excuse me, no touchdowns and a pick. So obviously the stats don't look great, but you know what? He was never sacked. And I think that's really something to sort of point to. Why is his completion percentage down? He probably threw away, no joke, 10 balls. He probably, of those, those incompletions are not, nothing's there. He's going to attempt to force it into something. You know, I know he had the, obviously the end zone uh, critical mistake and that's on him, but there were a no, there are a number of times in this game where yeah he's just shit canning the passer rating and that's fine because that's actually good quarterbacking when it wasn't there and this has really gotten to be Tom in his wiser older years he gives up on the play you know he does not he does not want to make the big mistake and I think the difference if you look at this game and then you look or I mean his performance and then you look across the way at Allen and Barkley. They were taking sack after sack after sack or either hit or losses and all that kind of stuff. There ends up being five sacks, uh, many, many miracles where it could have been more than that. And then all those turnovers, uh, there's four turnovers on the game. So that was really the difference. And I think that's the difference between high-level quarterbacking, even high-level quarterbacking on a bad day. That's a, it's, it is a real thing. Uh, sometimes it's a high-level quarterbacking thing to know the play has no chance in hell and not taking, and taking the bad play as opposed to the atrocious play and I think that's we saw a lot of that today and I know it's frustrating as a Patriots fan you're just used to them walking up and down the field at least for two or three of the quarters in any football game it just never really happened today two good decent two decent drives only one of which got finished and uh you saw a lot of times where you just see Brady throw it at someone's feet to to just you know keep from having the negative play it's stat frustrating if you're into fantasy that part would be frustrating if you're counting on him or having completions or someone else getting catches, but it's actually pretty smart when you look at it in contrast to the other side. The other side doesn't throw it into the ground. The other side with young Josh Allen and the relatively inexperienced Barkley, um, you know, they threw it to the other people. (laughs) And that's, that's obviously much worse. So sometimes frustrating days of production, but that are done economically can still be winning football. And that's what we saw. So no, obviously you're not going to be satisfied with that. You're going to say as a fan, Oh, okay, well, at least he didn't throw picks and at least he didn't take sacks. Uh, I'm happy with the offense in that state. No, of course not. You want them to be productive as well. You want them to have the in-game adjustments where they do uh, a good job. I thought there were a number of issues, you know, as I'm sitting here kind of rolling through uh, my my little notes through the game, something that kept coming up, coming, (laughs) coming up, 
Uh, it's just post game for me too, folks. So something that just kept coming up was execution error. So, you know, I see this a lot on Twitter. Obviously, I'm active during the game on my account and just joking and having fun with it, but also trying to point out some stuff that that I thought was atrocious, or good and bad in other ways. Uh, but there was, uh, I thought there was a decent amount of, um, I don't know how to say this without, you know what? Well. Let's put it this way. I thought there was a decent amount of of one side sort of carrying the other, and I never I never like to say that because let's let's put it this way. When the page, I that was my feeling, uh, because when the defense plays that well, and then finally it relents on a drive and a half, you know, you give the the the, the field goal as well. You feel like okay, they're carrying us through the performance kind of thing. That's a very normal football feeling if you're on the team. And shoot, if you're a defensive player and you give up 30 and the offense scores 33, you kind of feel like they did that for you. So that's just football. That happens from time to time. I'm sure in that locker room, the offensive guys are salty. They're going back to the meeting room this week trying to figure out what the hell went wrong, how they fix it. Uh, they will fix it. They always do. Uh, but the in-game fixes didn't come, and I thought part of the frustration there, and it, I was as I was mentioning my notes, like my notes here are littered with execution error, which is different than play call error. Like I thought there was – a handful of times where the play call wasn't tremendous. Uh, but I wasn't going to do this, oh, Josh McDaniels had a terrible day kind of thing. I thought a lot of it was just execution breakdowns. I mean, over and over and over again, I'm, I'm, I'm putting that kind of mark here in the in the little sheet that I'm keeping. And, you know, I think one example of it is, you know, you're late into the fourth quarter and, you know, maybe this is the best way to do it. Well, you're late into the fourth quarter and you start a drive with a penalty, you know, start a drive backed up with a penalty. Uh, You have a decent looking play called and you have a pressure right over the center or right over guard. Uh, You're you're all pro, nearly pro pro bowl kind of guard, just, you know, missing a blitz pickup on a critical situation in the fourth quarter backed up. So, you know, if you want to get things going, you really count on those moments in your best play players to do the you know their good their normal good work and there were so many instances tonight where it's like I think that play could work but it wasn't executed very well and that you know it was it was ragged so before I get into that final drive and that's kind of one where I want to focus my attention we will close the show pumping up the defense because they deserve it 100 different ways there were a lot of different guys that produced today JC Jackson was all over the place was tremendous um but uh I wanted to at least touch on what I think is going to be the big story coming out of the game. Obviously, in the Twitter world, this was a big deal. But uh, the hit on Josh Allen, need to get this out here quickly because I actually did see that McDermott had, uh, Coach McDermott for the Bills had had gone out and, you know, sort of flagged away for his team. I understand sort of standing up for your guy and all that kind of stuff. But uh, Josh Allen was knocked out, and that's why a flag was thrown. Josh Allen was hit entirely legally. Legally, There's not a rule that, that disallows what happened on that play. And what I'm talking about is Jonathan Jones, late in that game, uh, well, it was the third or fourth quarter, whatever it was, Jonathan Jones comes flying up. It's like a third and eight-ish kind of play, if I recall. Uh, but Josh Allen takes off and wants to scramble for the first down. This is third down. That fourth down is the difference in points, or the drive ending, essentially, uh, and in a very close game. And if Josh Allen slides at the time that he begins to he begins to be grabbed by uh, Deron Harbin, 
he's three yards short, right? He's gonna be he's not gonna make the conversion. So Josh Allen at that point does not want to slide. He chooses not to slide. He chooses to be a runner. He chooses to be Jim Brown. He wants to go head first. He wants to lean forward and try to put his head in the ball across the line. He made that choice. Zone volition, out in open space. The alternative would be slide, which is the protection our game affords him. And to slide, you gotta put your feet down and you're gonna get marked where you begin the slide. And you're not going to get the first. So he didn't want to do that because he really wanted the first down. And God bless. That's football, and you're, you're happy to have it. But where Sean McDermott really blew this is he piled on with the, the absolute complete nonsense that I, that I hope and I pray that he, he realizes once he actually watches the film back that he's dead wrong. What he said is there's no place for that kind of hit in our game. I hope I'm paraphrasing, but he went with the no place in our game nonsense. And that's a bullshit thing to say by McDermott, by anyone on our, the interwebs that went that route. And it's very, very simple because it's, it's not only that there's a place in it on our game. That was the game. That's what you do in this game because the quarterback chose to become a runner, leaving the pocket. He is a runner. And because he chose not to use the protections afforded him by sliding, he wanted to put his, he wanted to lean his upper half across the ball, which means his head's going to be there first because, oh, physics. So because he made that choice, his head's exposed. And that's, that's, you know, no different for him than it is for for Devin Singletary in a different week when he's active or Frank Gore. Uh, their heads get hit every single time they run. And when they're out in the open space and they lean forward and they want to dive across, yes, of course their heads get hit. It happens every single play. Just watch, folks. People were upset because he got knocked out. And, and where McDermott is wrong and where the fanboys out there that were agreeing with it are wrong is because he leans forward. Uh, at the time Duran was beginning to drag him, if you rewind this and look back, if Duran Duran is not is you know Duran's a good sized guy, like a two twenty safety uh, type, but uh, you know Allen's a big six five guy. He's going to fall forward at the point he's contacted, and with that big head and that you know big stretch and length of his, he's he's absolutely converting that first down. There is no question he's getting the first down if that second hit doesn't come in. And what Jonathan Jones did such a tremendous job of is coming up aggressively and hitting him right prior to the line. Because, you know, as, as someone who coaches youth football, that is what we want. That is ideal. That is perfect. Because if a guy pulls off and just lets the other guy drag him down from behind as he falls forward, he gets a first down. It's a game of first downs. There is no more to it than that. And the big thing is where if you could have gotten where, where Jonathan Jones could have potentially earned himself a flag based upon what the rules are, and I'll give you those examples, is if he had actually dropped the crown of his head and hit him with the dropped head and that sort of, uh, remember, the, the forehead is not the crown, not the, not the forehead. The crown would be above that, directly on top of the hel helmet. If he'd have put his head down so his eyes weren't there and hit with that portion, top of his head, we're having a different conversation because lowering the head and hitting with a crown, you can't do that. What he did is turn sideways, and his head hit the other guy's head. Yes, but it's the side of the head. This has nothing to do with the crown. So crown rule out of this, that doesn't exist. Helmet to helmet, the people mentioning that, good God, people learn the game. That helmet to helmet stuff is on receivers, and that doesn't exist as runners. Uh, you cannot hit 
uh, sliding quarterback in the head. They are afforded protections when they're doing that. That is true. But this has nothing to do with once he's a runner, once he chooses to lean forward the head with the ball next to it to get over the line. What Jonathan Jones did is not, it's not only a place for in his game, it's absolutely necessary in this game because had he not hit that, and if you're to take this notion that it shouldn't be in the game, then what you're saying is if all a quarterback needs to do is lean forward near the line – It'll, we have to allow them to get the first down. You can't hit them. Well, that's BS because that would be sort of like a game glitch. You you can't have that. Of course you can hit them there. So what Jonathan Jones did was perfect. You know, if he had kept his head straight and dropped it and hit him with a crown, yeah, then there should be and could be a flag. Uh, if But the fact that the quarterback got hit in the head is because the quarterback's leaning forward with his head first, and he wants that first down. And if his head and body hadn't been in that posture, he would never have got a first down. So it's, it's really that simple. There is no infraction here. There's nothing other than... And the, fa- the infraction is that it's embarrassing that he got knocked the fuck out. And that's really all there is to it. And that's why you see the yellow flags. You see the unconscious guy throw a flag. But there's nothing in the rules that would have supported this. There's nothing. Uh, I'm just trying to scroll through here. I think someone on my Twitter t- timeline had actually put something out there that they screen capped the, the actual rule language. And one of the other thing is you can't do this to a runner had his forward progress been been uh, you can't hit a runner in the head whose forward progress had been stopped. But obviously, if he's continuing to fall forward and aiming for the goal for, for reaching across the line, we're not talking about that either. So there really is no scenario. There's none. I mean, this he's a runner who got hit in the head, just like every other running back who gets hit in the head. He just maybe not as prepared for it. And and actually something in in Allen's defense is that he uh, you know, has been pretty good on this. I actually wrote about this in The Athletic this week. And I put a little part about that in this column. He's been on a, done a really good job of out there in open space getting down, you know, getting out of bounds and not taking the hits, sliding. He's been a good scrambler. He's very, very good at this. But this was a game desperation kind of situation. They needed that yard. He wanted those extra couple yards. He knows if he slides, he doesn't get them. And he leans forward and his head's forward. And he gets hit in the head because that's what's first. And the idea of, oh, you know, if, if only Jonathan Jones had gone lower. Well, you know what? If he doesn't hit him where he was hitting, the, the force allows him to go forward. You hit him just like that to make him go sideways, which he did. On that huge contact, all of Josh's forward momentum stopped and he, and he limped sideways. I mean, that's, that's what you're aiming to do, to completely stop all forward momentum on contact precisely what he did. And again, this is not a Patriots thing. Uh, This is football. If this had been Tulane and Houston, we're making the exact same point. If this is Pittsburgh and Chicago, we're making the exact same point. If this is King Philip High School in freaking North Attleboro, we're making the exact same point. Two humans, a quarterback, the rule change. Well, maybe not with the other ones because obviously they don't have the same NFL rule. But my point here still stands that there is a reason your, those protections go away from you because you become a runner. If not, you can imagine sort of the Pandora's box we'd be talking about here, folks. We'd be talking about every single runner as he runs forward to get to cross the, the the line to gain. You could not have a rule like that. It would be as ludicrous as this whole dropping head thing were it to be enforced in line with the offensive lineman. They dropped it because they realized their definition didn't work. And it doesn't work here either. So I wish I wish McDermott hadn't done that because I actually like him. I think he's a good, you know, I'm a, I'm a fan of how he runs things. He put together a really nice game plan today. Defensively gave the Patriots a ton of problems. Uh, I, I think he's got a much more rigid, good culture, all those kind of things uh, going on down there. Obviously much better than Gaze has down in New York. 
So I'm generally a fan. I just wish he hadn't pandered that way because he's dead, dead, dead wrong. There are no definitions by which you're allowing that. If you're intimating that it should be allowed, what you're saying is when quarterbacks get near the first down to gain in close games, when they get several yards within it, you can't hit them. You have to let the lean forward happen and let them fall across the line. That's insane. That's wrong. There are no rules or rationale to back that. So let's get in to that fourth quarter drive that I was talking about. If we're going to talk a little offensive frustration, we got to kind of go through the particulars. And this is the part that I went back to rewatch just to check, you know, what was going on? You know, I, I kind of in my head have that little sort of been around the Patriots as a player and then also as an analyst for all these years. You kind of have that little faith that, you know what, it can be ragged, but they'll ace or ace more often than not the situational stuff. Four half drive, nope. Uh, the four minute drive, not really, you know, and then the down the, 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 those, I think they had three, yes, it is here, three fourth quarter drives, all, none of which brought fruit. Um, some of which had a little bit of hope. There was a, there was a drive there where Sony Michelle got going pretty decently and I thought, okay, this is the breakthrough. And then that drive stalled as well. So let's run through them. Uh, the first one of the fourth quarter was they were not sharp on the screen to James White. And I would say as an overall point, for the entire day, this is, and I would actually stretch this back a couple games. Screen operation overall, been a little shaky this year. Hasn't been sharp. Now, you can get a completion on a screen, but if the quarterback is kind of, you know, he's he's disruptive because there's a little too much pressure or they, the back doesn't quite get out because it wasn't handled great in front of him. Or in this instance, I thought Brady kind of threw a slightly wild ball. You still get the completion, but it's, a, you never know. I mean, he Maybe he's leading him to where he wanted James to go, but James didn't want to go that way. But it was sort of an outstretched arm snag on the screen, and that stops the momentum. So you don't get the crisp catch it as you go, flick, and here we're, we're gone, and we're right behind the block. It was just enough of a pause. It was just off uh, enough to where it stopped and then made it restart. And screens don't generally work great that way. So it ends up being kind of a nothing play. And uh, I thought overall, and that was the third down play from that first drive, but I thought in the prior plays in, in that drive were sort of like game plan quick plays, the stuff you usually see them hit on. You know, they turn and did the quick throw to either Gordon or Dissette. I don't remember who it was, but I think that was the first down play. And a quick throw, oh, you got a guy that usually makes the first guy miss. You'll get an easy five or six out of that. Well, they got like two. You know, and I don't, again, I don't know the hit sheet in front of me exactly, but it wasn't a lot. It wasn't like, okay, this is our get out of backed up kind of situation. Turn, get it into a playmaker's hand. They get the completion, but rather than the five or six, you get two or three or whatever it was. Just wasn't enough of a drive starter. And then again, you're back to the not sharp screen on third down and you're gone. And then now we're back into, you know, fast forward here to the second time in the fourth quarter, the Patriots offense gets an opportunity. Uh, Marcus Cannon gets a false start. Now they're backed up. So you're going first and 15. Those are the kind of things that the coaches go nuts about. You know, they always, you know, coach uh, score always talks about this. He's like, you know, it's a tough game. You need mentally tough guys. And obviously Marcus is, he's a, he's a many times champ and he's, he's been successful in this league a lot of time, but I'm just saying this play is the kind of thing where, uh, you know, they, they, they go nuts on this because they expect they need and they know that you have to be your absolute best in the biggest moments they want consistent performance at the other parts of the game too but they need need you even more in tune in the big moments and this was sort of breakdowns in the big moments kind of game offensively anyhow so um the inside run hits and uh, oh, excuse me there was an inside game that hit not run by the patriots but this is in that same second series of the fourth quarter and you get uh a game on the inside, an interior game between defensive tackle and nose, I believe it was, but it hits. There's a little pick. Someone comes free. Brady turns, 
and immediately dumps it into the ground. So it's one of those plays where it's like it just never got started because the pickup wasn't correct in front of him. And I know it's easy to say, oh, you know, the tackles. You know, no, the only guy who's different right now is Newhouse, and it's not. We're not talking about a bunch of problems with the left tackle. You know, we weren't talking. I mean, it's not as if you know everything's pristine as we always knew it to be with guard center guard to right tackle. Now I just think collectively they haven't had a had a great stretch here. So, but you have a lot of faith in the personalities. You know the guys. You know the players. They'll figure it out. Uh, but it has been a it has been you know a couple couple weeks stretch where they're playing below their their capability. I would say. So again, I have all the faith in the world that Scar will fix it. I got all the faith in the world, and you know, do I doubt Joan Tooney will get it right? No, of course not. Do I doubt that that uh, actually at the center position? I think Karras has having has been playing really well. I think at right guard, Shaq Mason has struggled a little bit. You know, and his version of struggling is, you know, great play, great play, great play, but then gives one up. And it's the give ups where it's, you know, someone in the backfield or a blown pickup or something big like that that's that's somewhat surprising because you don't see it like that from him typically. A year ago, he's he's very nearly all pro, but he's he's given up way more this year. And I think that's a little bit unfortunate. But again, you're, there's faith in it that these guys will figure it out. Fortunately, they're in this stretch of tremendous defense so it's not hurting them but uh skin of their teeth here in this particular round so um this part of the season uh edelman gets the uh a short grab gets half the yards back so they were in a second and uncomfortable kind of situation there and then you have another blown interior pass rush it was twice on the same series and this one was actually by mason so this is i mean i brought him up a little early maybe it wasn't him on the one before but it's shocking though when you see the guys you know that they're dudes like shaq mason's a dude like he's their guy like he's he's the guy you rely on he's the guy that's going to go get the key block out in space he's the guy that's going to get the push in line to make the space happen for the interior stuff and when when your guy's the one giving it up into the, into the lap of tom it's frustrating he just you know throws it to the ground so that was, uh, you know, that's that second series, fourth quarter. is like, oh, geez, this is like, this is like go time for the Patriots. This is when you usually see them excel, and none of that happened. Um, now this third series, the final series, is the one I talked about that had the, uh, you'll recall, had the run success. And there's an eight-yard run on first down uh, by Michelle around the edge, and you're thinking, okay, great. And then second and two gets another big run. And so it's like, okay, Michelle's going to get going. This is this is sort of that four-minute offense kind of thing. They're going to be able to, to hammer this home. They're not only gaining the yards, they're gaining them on the ground. They figured this out. They'll run this game out to the end. But then uh, then I believe this is a first down throw, but it was Brady's slant that was tipped by, uh, by Edmonds, uh, the big athletic dude at Mike Linebacker. Uh, really, really fun and interesting player. I mean, obviously from Patriots' perspective, you don't want to, you know, you're not going to be excited about that guy. But Tremaine Evans is, is uh, you know, I think he's, he's a stud. And I think we can simply say that his ranginess and his length, a 6'5 guy that happens to play Mike, he's only 21, 22 years old, something like that. Um, you know, they talked about him. I talked about him earlier in the week with the, with the, 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 the Buffalo Beat podcast uh, people, and they really hammered the idea of this guy's ranginess really being one of his one of his greatest assets. You get that kind of length, you're a middle linebacker, you're going to be able to tip a lot of balls and keep the, the stuff that, that comes over the middle from coming in low and on a line. you got to angle it all, or you got to put a little air under it. Otherwise, this guy with his long-ass arms is going to make some plays, and he kills a driver, gets it off to a... Um, it kind of sort of takes the momentum out of the drive with a tip there because they had run a nice little game plan slant, get a little misdirection, get the, the coverage players to move, but they didn't get the middle linebacker to move. Puts his hands up, tips it. That thing's now toast. James White, uh, now you're back to the uh, – unfortunately, this is where I would say the play calls weren't 
pristine, and that's a problem, right? Uh, you know, I think Josh McDaniels has been absolute aces at points throughout these first three games. You know, they just walked through things in Pittsburgh. They were really uh, good, obviously, in Miami. And those first four drive-ish, three and a half, four drives, whatever it was, against the Jets, they just blasted out to get to that 30-point lead. But, yes, it, there was a fourth-quarter stall, but that kind of happens. So I, I think as a play caller, Josh has really been on it this year. Uh, but this felt like a game where there were a lot, a lot, a lot of execution problems, so you, you can't put that on the play caller. But this was at least one curious call late where I was like, ugh. Okay, because you recall early in the game, they hit on the big, uh, they, they get the motion out by White, they get him picked up by Matt Milano, they love the linebacker, so they love the, the, the back on linebacker kind of thing, but now they've already actually seen that adjustment once, they're going to go back to the well there, and it's not as if James White just straight blew by him or shook him, which is where he's most difficult to cover low and where he's in and out of breaks. This is more the just straight speed down there. And if you're a, a linebacker that can leg it out, that doesn't bother you as much. You just have to run straight. You don't have to worry about the shiftiness part. And Milano was all over that one. So to run a go route there, man, you know, a go route with a shorter back, you got you got good on it once, but then they're aware of it. So they're kind of anticipating the route. It just kind of felt like, ah, oh, that's a low percentage play, man. I don't love it. Um, so anyway, that, that bails on that series. So, uh, the thing I didn't love about it is in review, uh, as you're throwing that fade to White against Milano, Edelman's running an over, and he's running a low drag, and he was open. And it looked like he had the space if he catches that to, to get over the line. So missed opportunity there. Let's at least put it that way. But the big push away from the table thing is that's three fourth-quarter drives, and uh, the Patriots weren't able to do anything with those. So you know when we spend a little more time studying how to come out of this sort of ugly performance, turn it around, get back to winning offensive football like we're so used to with them, we'll do that later in the week. I'll, I'll study that a little more for you. But I can understand the sort of fresh wound struggle or fresh wound feel of not seeing the offense be like you're used to and that's sort of what this instant reaction thing was to be about what exactly happened what went wrong I would say it was much more heavily weighted towards execution breakdowns than it was to play calls uh, it was just a bad day for everyone uh, by and large offensively Jules uh, was gutting it out you could tell but he did not look the same you know he winced a few times you could tell that you know that he was targeted highly he made a couple gutsy plays a couple plays that they needed but it, it certainly wasn't uh, his sharp you know just blasting guys in and out of cuts and catching stuff away from his body and catch and run and just flying out of the cuts. That was a man who was in pain, who was out there gutting it out. And you got to tip your cap to that because you could tell you could you could tell it wasn't the same. And then he had the one drop. And again, I mean, if you're wincing and you're having problems with your body, it's it's completely understandable that you're not sharp. But I was hoping, and you know, from a Patriots perspective, I would say that I kind of expected some giant day from Josh Gordon. I kind of expected, uh, I kind of expected. Uh, you know, I, I expected the, the offense to kind of turn to Gordon. I expected him to be in that sort of eight to ten target range. You know, six, seven catches kind of thing. You know, a couple big plays. He had the one big play uh, where they broke him free, but there wasn't just enough of Josh wins one on one and Tom hits him in stride in a tight situation. They just really never got uh, you know together. And I guess if you were going to look at something, if you want to worry, if you're the worrying type, I think you know I'm not. Uh, but if there's something that through four games that hasn't developed as much as one would hope, it's probably the the Brady, Josh Gordon sort of how are we going to do this kind of thing? You know, where's the place on the field you really hit and how are we going to use you best? So uh, that wasn't big from him. Philip Dorsett 
was targeted nine freaking times. Now, again, I think that number is bloated because a lot of these are throwaways that happen to be with him. Uh, but Philip catches everything that's catchable, and and I think that still remains true, but he just ends up with two catches for 10 yards. Uh, Burkhead wasn't a big factor today, so that was a surprise the way things were a week ago. We know he was doing a, a pregame workout there with his foot, so uh, that'll be something to keep an eye on. I think him back at full speed is obviously very helpful. But the passing game needs Josh Gordon to be smoking, folks. Uh, Dorsett to be a, a, a sort of a, a complimentary guy uh, that makes big plays and timely stuff when the offense turns another direction. And Julian just out there working people over underneath and on the outside. I think that's where the offense is at its best, but with Jules limited and with the Gordon stuff never really sort of getting going. And again, I can't exactly tell you how coverage rolls and things like that without having the coach's copy. So I'm not very helpful for you on that. I apologize. But those are the kind of pieces of information we get later in the week. Uh, And then the back work just never got going. You know, there never was the sort of, we're just, you know, smoke the linebackers down in, down out. Uh, there were some catches, clearly. I mean, it's not as if James, you know, James White had eight receptions. I'm not saying he didn't make some plays. It wasn't a dead day for him. He's targeted 10 times. He gets eight catches. But there just really wasn't the breakout stuff. He had the one long one for 26, but we also are talking here about a lot of, you know, three-yard catches and four-yard catches and stuff where the yak's not there, the screen game didn't hit big. So uh, that's something that, uh, you know, it, we don't expect it to be that way. And if you're going to gamble a chip, I highly doubt it is the next time either. But that was the oddity that was this particular game. But now, you know, really out of character for me, 35 minutes in, spent a lot of time on the hit on, on Allen. Uh, that would, wanted to straighten that out and, and speak truth to that. But beyond that, I've talked a little dark stuff here with the Patriots offense just being in an unusual state today. But I would say uh, that's probably doing this game a disservice because defensively, holy hell, they were still all over the damn place. And, you know, it's fun to watch because I love these games where defense, the defensive portion of this, where there are really gutsy plays. They gave some up. You know, I think we mentioned it was 375, something like that. So there's a decent amount of yards that were gained on the other side. Um, And but you look at a young player like J.C. Jackson. I mean, he had a couple bad plays. He jumped on a blitz. You never do that. It, it, well, it infuriates your coaches. They call up the perfect play. They drew it up. They brought the free rusher. Oh, my gosh, they don't have it. I got you there. Just run through the tackle, arm up, same arm, same hand. So, you know, right-handed quarterback, put up your left arm. Just mirror it and run through the tackle. I mean, it's told to everyone. Youth level, we say that. High school, college. Do not jump. Don't do the jump to deflect the pass thing because when you're in the air, you can't pivot. He's on the ground throwing. He can. So he he doesn't throw it. You're suspended in air, waving your arms and can't come back down. And uh, the play extends on. And, you know, that was that was his negative. But I'm bringing up that negative. There's also the big run on Gore. I think I tweeted about that where uh, JC kind of gave him the shoulder tackle. But, you know, young player, a couple bad mistakes. But this is one of the the, the – Biggest sort of defensive trifecta, excuse me, trifecta, trifecta uh, plays you'll see in a game. You ever see a guy who has two picks and a block punt? Two picks and a block punt. Two picks, two picks and a block punt for a defensive back is a stupid day. Like that's like a you're a second year player in JC. You probably won't have that particular combination again for the rest of your life. That's just big time plays in a very important game, a tough place to win when they're whipping around there in Buffalo and things are going well for them. And it's competitive and it's staying competitive and you really need those plays. And these were ball skills kind of plays. This wasn't, you know, threw me a punt and I just caught it. 
He's extended, high-pointing it, going up and snatching it. Uh, J.C. Jackson with two big-time ones there. And you know what? I, I, I watched back the, uh, the the TV copy of the of the punt, and I can't tell you, and I, and I hate this. I, it drives me nuts. What should be done by a broadcast when you're showing something like that is you go back and show it just like, a, like an offensive or defensive play. You go back and show where it came through. You explain, was it a miscount? Was someone blocked and picked? Or how did they come free? Like, we don't get that on special teams and it drives me nuts it was the biggest play in the game. that 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 thing is the worst you know that play is the difference in the game and we didn't get an explanation of it right we didn't get a breakdown on the most important play of the game the punt block for a touchdown is the difference on the scoreboard as it sits right here so that's that's what this is and it's it's incredibly frustrating me as a consumer that played and that also does this same kind of work at least in college football I do the radio preseason games so I, I call games too I just was beside myself with how bad a lot of the analysis was in this game and it became distracting so to not do that part bothers me to uh man yeah I, I know if I if I put a little red meat out here about Dan Fouts I know Patriots fans will go crazy but I think you all understand that it's a really hard listen. Analysts have bias. It's just part of it. Everyone does. You need to hide yours better. I think Troy Aikman is is one of the better ones at hiding his. I mean, he can call a, a Dallas game and not be over his skis. I think Chris Collinsworth, Collinsworth can do that too. He can he can call a Bengals game if he has to, and you don't hear him advocating you know for whatever is going against the other side. Fouts has a real problem calling Patriots games, and it does become distracting. So, you know, I was there. I'm back here at home and watching it from studio, watching it from the stadium at Gillette with some uh, event we had there for for NEPAC, our alumni association thing. And so I'm listening through the, you know, just through the broadcast. And man, that was a hard listen. It was it, there was straight up cheering and advocacy, and a lot of missed calls, half a dozen misexplained calls, uh, over and over and over again. It was not good. This is this is the defending champs, in my view. It's it's not great when you don't get great analysis. You kind of expect that. You expect the champs, the people on the field to be good, and the people in the booth to be good as well. And I don't know if that's bad ball on mine. Is that not protocol? Am I not supposed to mention that? I don't know because I'm a media person too and a former player and all that stuff. I don't know. But you know, if you're analyzing, I'm analyzing that too because it's part of the experience today, and I think. I think it was poor. So, uh, and I don't think that's really arguably poor. You know, there was a mention of a, of helmet to helmet hit on a defenseless runner that doesn't exist. There was mention of, uh, 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 what was it? Something about, uh, oh, that it should have been intentional grounding because he clearly threw it away, even though he was outside the pocket, which is the opposite of the truth. It, like it just, it was astounding how bad some of the stuff was. And then when you can hear the emotion and the voice of a person calling a game, when you hear disappointment, then you think they've made it personal. You can hear them cheering for a side or the other, and you can't have that. We can do it when we're doing Patriots games for the Patriots radio network. That's different, right? <laughs> when it's me and Dan Roach, we're calling a home game. When you're doing nationals, you can't do that. When I'm doing college for ESPN, you can't do that. You cannot take a side. You have to play the middle as best you can. And uh, this one hurt. It hurt the ears. Made the ears bleed. There were there were moments where I was like, wow, this is like advocacy. This is weird. Um Anyway, it's uh, I look forward to the next Tony Romo game. I think he does a great job. Leave it at that. So uh, finishing this thing off the defensively, Kyle Van Noy all over the damn place. Eight tackles on the day. He has two sacks, has a tackle for the loss. In addition to that, three quarterback hits that aren't counting on that. He just was everywhere. And some tip stuff. And, you know, just I, I, I'm looking at Kyle Van Noy. You know, the one where he, he got the strip sack or at least the knockout. Um, 
he just kind of had that X factor kind of feel. Jamie Collins had a nice day himself, but uh, Jamie, you know, he's not up the board the way he was a week ago with that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I'm saying that and a low day for Jamie Collins is a sack and a tackle for loss. I mean, he still had a great game on that. <laughs> probably shouldn't have phrased it that way. Uh, he ends up with a pass defense and a tackle for loss. And a sack. okay, Jamie had a good day too. But the point is there was, I did notice a few more Kyle Van Noy plays. It's good to see Kyle out there making plays too, because he's, he's, uh, he's as active as they come. And remember all this today was done without, Dante Hightower, one of their best defensive players. So that kind of puts a smile on your face as well. Uh, I think overall, Stephon Gilmore had a good day. There were a few passes caught near him. It wasn't a straight, you know, shut down John Brown start to finish, but he was so competitive in that. And we're not talking about any given given up touchdowns. I think overall, you look at it as a walkaway win day. I'd say Jason McCourty, like Jason McCourty with a nice pass break up there, tight on the route, and just pops it out at the very end, that that one down near the end zone that I don't believe because of that ended up in points of any kind. But uh, Chase Winovich, active, got involved. Um, Michael Bennett, same way. Michael's not lighting the the stat sheet up necessarily, but he does have a tackle for loss. Uh, And one of the things I noticed about Bennett is he's really, you know, don't just pay attention to what his stat sheet stuff is. And I'm doing that. I'm reading that part. But I'd I'd highlight to you that he's the guy that's running the games that's helping the other person come free. He's soaking up blocks. He's picking. He's, He's active as hell. He may not be the guy on the sheet. But he he was out there and doing some some very important things. Danny Shelton had a nice day as well. Ends up with four here on the stat sheet. But I saw Danny with nice push, shedding, getting on some of the gore tackles. I thought he was a good space occupier, the kind of guy they needed. We already talked about JC. Winovich came in, was active for the reps that he got. Even Dietrich Wise got involved a little bit. Uh, I think overall, you got to feel pretty good about the depth of this crew. And that depth really helped them today. You know, you needed to be able to rotate them through because the offense wasn't always staying out on the field. Uh, and it kind of became one of those kind of games. But this is sort of my big takeaway point as we kind of walk out of this. The, the Patriots hit on this from the podium a lot. I know Bill will hammer it. I know Tom says it uh, repeatedly. And here it is. It is hard to win in this league. It is hard to win in the NFL. Now, I know if you're, you're used to seeing them win, you don't really say that. You just kind of expect it. You get angry when they don't win beautifully. But it's one thing that I came to really appreciate in my career. Even the ugly ones feel really good because you know everyone's got a chance. Now, I know the Dolphins game of a couple of weeks ago probably feels like, well, that one didn't really have a chance. But by and large, typically, every game is full of other really good pros. You're competing against some really good athletes over there. The environments are crazy in the NFL. It would be one of my greatest gifts I could ever give a listener is to put on helmet and pads and stand out in the middle of the field in one of those environments sometimes. It is absolutely crazy with how it energizes yourself, how difficult it is to perform under those situations. And when they do and win, it's not a bad thing. They won. They won in the division. They won on the road. They beat a 3-0 team. They're 4-0 now. The Patriots did win 16-10. Great defensive performance. Pretty shaky offensive one, but a win nonetheless. Do you trust that they'll go home, fix their stuff with a with a really great offensive mind like Josh McDaniels, with a really block, great blocking coordinator like uh, Dante Scarnacchia, with a really great overseer like Bill, uh, with, with guys that really know how to fix problems? Uh, absolutely. I mean, tremendous faith in, faith in that. It's the it's the safest bet in football. You're going to bet even that they're going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know that. That's a, that's 17,000 different turns from now to figure out if that, that's going to happen. But are they able and capable 
of identifying problems and fixing them, of course. Uh, are they going to be satisfied with that kind of performance? Well, they love it. They won. But you know, I can tell you from firsthand experience, they will coach the hell out of this kind of tape. This kind of tape is one that's going to get you torn a new lasso. This is what, this is how it is on Mondays. You go in there and they lay into you and the pressure gets turned up a hundred more degrees and it's rough and uh, you got to be able to perform in that environment. But uh, that's actually kind of what energizes you too. So it's tough. It's tense. Um, they're going to be happy as hell they won. But even defensively, they're not going to be happy they gave up that score. They're not going to be happy that they gave up more yards on the other side. They're not going to be happy that, you know, the offense was having a down day and they didn't just go ahead and make it a complete shutout. There were some crappy calls that kept things alive, but that is not the only only story. So um, anyway, that's the big sort of push away, take away. Here we are on the Racer Show. I'm Matt Chatham. I actually kind of enjoyed doing this. It was sort of get it all off my chest time so I can wake up tomorrow fresh, renewed, fresh pot of coffee. I think I'm going to smoke some cheese and some butter in the morning. It'll be a nice, cool New England morning. I'm thinking like eight sticks of maybe hickory. Throw those in chowder. Use them on steaks. It's great stuff. I think the cheese I'm already good on. Maybe we'll do some little fish to go with it as well. Maybe a little smoked salmon in the morning or something along those lines. Trout, I don't know. I got to go shopping this this evening now that I've got the, the pot out of the way. But I think it's kind of exciting. I got Washington coming up. I'll dig really deep in those guys for you. So when I do my late late week show, we'll do a little crossover with the with the Redskins reporter, and we'll we'll dive in here deep and learn about a team we don't know much about. But I hope this helps sort of work as a salve, <laughs> works as a little let this let the Razor show, show pour over you and make you feel a little better, or at least a little deeper, uh, having identified the the real problem points and some more of the details of what went down because. It's a great feeling to win. It's a great ride home uh, when you get a fly home from Orchard Park back to Boston, well, to Providence in this case. Uh, but uh, that doesn't mean there's still not things to be fixed, and I think we hit on the big ones. We will watch as we always do, and thank you for listening as you always do. This is Matt Chatham. That's The Razor Show. Talk at you again next time.